said, yeah. Podcasting, that's three R's. We hard. So the mommies want to ride on it like yeehaw. But don't horse around, I'm a wild boy. Uptown like the cowboys. Chop cheese off the loud boy. Got them saying, turn it down, boy. I'm in NYC with Brian and Fritz. Eyes low, but steady eyeing a bitch. But wait, more than that, I'm eyeing the chips. Cause 50 said them hoes come with this shit. And that's a fact, like I tell no lies, all in well, Uptown, the revolution will be televised. Yeah, what's yeah. going on? It's your boy Fridge, it's another episode of the Year Podcast. And I'm here with my special guest, my brother, Mr. Brandon Matthews, is a hers boot kid. What's up? What's good, bro? What's going on, man? How you doing? Everything good? Yeah, man, you know, living a dream during quarantine, bars. but, you know, just just working like a madman, trying to continue to provide what I provide for the lovely people of New York and beyond. <laughs> I feel you, man. So how's everything going? Everything good? Like, how, how, how are you dealing with this quarantine? Um, everything is good. Um, you know, like everybody, we had... Uh, our own issues with COVID and stuff like that. But overall, you know, everything is good at the moment. Um, Just like I said, just working, trying to have as much fun as I can safely, Um, you know, social distancing and just not being stupid. Um, But everything is good. Um, I can't really complain right now. I got you. I got you. So for those that don't know, what do you do, my brother? I am the owner of personal, uh, excuse me, I'm the owner of His and Hers Bootcamp New York, head personal trainer. Um, it is a black owned business in Washington Heights, New York. I've been operating for a little over four years now. And obviously, due to COVID, I've had to go virtual. So all of our boot camps are now on Zoom. And surprisingly to me, that has actually gained me a lot more uh, customers. So I haven't really uh, taken a hit with everything that's going on with uh, COVID at the moment. Okay, okay. So what, um, how many people were you training and how many boot camps were you doing a day and, and how many are you doing now? Uh, so pre-quarantine, you were looking at what, about 18 camps a week as well as personal training. Uh, now it's, uh, what, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 camps a week. Uh, again, all virtual uh, personal training will start back up soon, um, you know, just to follow the guidelines of reopening in New York. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much been taking up all of my day. Um, I have an average of about 22 to 25 people joining Zoom camps every day. Um, in total, I've, I have about, you know, three to 400 clientele between personal training and boot camp. Um, again, obviously that's taken a hit since COVID, but, uh, in total, I've definitely trained over a thousand, you know, in person and now on Zoom. Okay. What's it, uh, is it hard on Zoom or? Uh, I won't say it's harder, but it's definitely just different. Uh, there's an energy that I'm very prideful of that I provide and is, you know, bolstered by everyone who joins our class, um, that it's just, it's hard to provide it virtually. Um, you know, the noise, the sweat, just everyone in together. It's just a lot. It's, it's, it's so different compared to yelling into a microphone and staring at a screen. Um, you know, it's not to say that the effort isn't there or the hard work isn't there, but the the atmosphere, the feeling, the adrenaline is all just, it's just there. You know, it's one of those, you, you, you had to be there things. Okay. So how does someone go about joining his or her boot camp? So right now, since we're on Zoom, all you have to do is go to my Instagram at his and hers, B-C-N-Y, and there is a Zoom highlight 
that will give you all of the instructions, but there is a number that you will see and there is a password that you must contact me for at that same address. No one is allowed into the Zoom room without the password. That is for everyone's safety and privacy. What's it like uh, being a black business owner? Uh, It's amazing. Um, Growing up, you didn't really hear too much about, you know, black owned businesses. It was just a business owner. Um, with the times that we're living in now, you know, being black is just, you know, polarizing in itself. And then to add, you know, being a business owner to that shows that you're already breaking the norm, so to speak, of what a black man is supposed to be doing in, you know, certain people's eyes. Um, To say that, again, I'm black is enough, you know, that I'm proud to be black. I will die black. I was born black. But I didn't have to become a business owner. And there's nothing wrong with anyone who's not a business owner. But because I chose this route and I'm able to combine these two together, it definitely has had a huge impact of how I'm viewed, how I'm looked at, um, what's expected of me, you know, sometimes positive and negative. But, you know, it's definitely an honor. And I accept all the challenges that come with it. Okay. So out of all, out of all the businesses... Uh, why a bootcamp? So something that I just fell into, in all honesty, um, with my uh, athletic background in football and running track from high school all the way through semi-pro with football, um, I've always been working out. I always was trained by a coach or, you know, my father, who's also a trainer. Um, Excuse me. We've... You know, I've been just working out my entire life. So once I fell into this industry, it was kind of just a perfect match. Um, I had an old friend tell me I was just really good at training people um, in college. And then a woman that I used to date kind of validated that for me and, you know, kind of pushed me to create the the brand. And that brand eventually became a business. So um, it went from one client to two clients to 10 clients. And it kind of was just something like, okay, this, this makes sense for me. This is kind of my calling and that's okay. I can live with that. You know, I had other plans uh, in life as far as what I wanted to do. We all had dreams. We all have dreams. Mine was football, fell into event management, retail, all that type of stuff, but this is just what stuck. And apparently I am, you know, good at it. So it's always good to turn something that you're good at into something you can make money out of. And did you like event management and retail and all that? I did because it was still about hospitality. There was not there wasn't too many differences going from event management and retail into personal training just because you're dealing with people one-on-one or one-on-many. You know, you still have to talk to people. You still have to communicate with people. You know, there is a customer service in all three of those. And the transition wasn't hard. When I first opened the studio, I was still working at Columbia and I just took the the skills that I learned throughout my entire life, including Columbia, and just applied it to my now customer service here that I was completely responsible for. What was it like working in Columbia? It was cool. I was able to create my own schedule. I got promoted rather quickly. I started out as a waiter um, and from there became an assistant event manager into an event manager. It was fun, though. I didn't have too many issues with other staff and coworkers or anything like that. Taught me how to, again, you know, manage events from five people to thousands of people. Columbia University's graduation goes, you know, for about 30,000, 40,000 people. So, it's, it's a huge school. Yeah. So if you've ever been on College Walk, that entire thing becomes an arena. 
and it's actually a really, really amazing sight to see. And shout out to all, you know, the workers who are working behind the scenes with that, you know, the grounds crew, maintenance crew, trash crew, chefs, everybody who has a part in that, because trust me, that is a process. And that goes for anyone at any school that has to create a huge graduation like that. Yeah, Columbia is no joke, man. I, me personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Columbia because of what they did with all of them and where I'm, where I was from, and they took over and they took over some of where you are now. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's not just gentrification; it's just growth. Sometimes it's not gentrifying. Sometimes it's just a conglomerate that knows how to buy. They have the money to buy and they expand. You know, we can't, we can't always get upset because when we look at our own personal goals, we're always trying to grow. So we always think about it morally or we try to think about it morally, but in business so i've learned you know sometimes you have to leave morals at the door and you have to worry about your bottom line not always the case but from learned over the years on my own and from other people online is usually there's a car blasting music oh okay okay can you still hear me? You good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we all good. We're all good. All right. So, um, there's, uh, when you're trying to, you know, have the biggest bottom line you can think of. Yeah. When it comes to business, you just have to sometimes be a little cutthroat because that's how you're going to achieve your ultimate goal you know you never want to hurt anybody you never want to be violent or anything like that but you, you got to think for yourself a little bit if you're running a business uh, and what uh if i wanted to run my own business what are probably three things that you would give advice since you've been doing this said about four years right yeah, a little over four years since I've had the studio, but I guess you could say in business for five, maybe a little longer, honestly. Um, three things that I would tell someone who wants to start their own business. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to fail. Don't. Yeah, definitely just don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to bend the rules a little bit. And there will always be another customer. Um, the reason I say the last one is something that I honestly not I haven't always agreed with is the customer is always right. The customer is not always right. Oh, no, you're right. I feel you. <laughs> customer is not always right. The customer is not always wrong. Sometimes that customer may just make you very upset or that customer might actually educate you. You never know. But if you're doing things to the best of your ability and you have a good product that you're putting out or whatever you're doing, there will be another customer. Don't let one, don't let one customer determine how your business is going to go good or bad because they come and go. The first, I haven't seen my first client in maybe three years and she was around when I opened up the studio and it was due, you know, it was for her, it was just due to distance, but I haven't seen her. Yeah, of course. Not a bad thing. I just haven't seen her. I couldn't even tell you who the majority of my first 20 clients are because I haven't seen them. But I'm at the point now where there's hundreds of new clientele. And obviously that took me some time, but it still happens. So don't, don't let one customer or one event or one anything deter you from your goal or scare you from advancing in your business. I like how you said event. Uh, you do an event every year. This was the fifth one that, that passed uh, a few months ago. 
Can you talk about that? International Women's Day Boot Camp. Yes, we had the fifth one this year, which had a total of about 211 people. Uh, the yeah. biggest event that I've ever personally thrown myself, along with my staff. Uh, we've been doing it, like I said, for five years now, and it started with seven people. Um, came up as an idea from one of my good friends, Janelle. She just said, hey, it's International Women's Day. You should do something for the women. Okay, cool. You know, no, no problem. No big deal. So plan something the day of whoever shows up, shows up, and we'll be good to go. That was in 2016. 2017 was, let's try to do this, you know, we could plan it a little bit. That had promotion for about a month. Yeah. 44 people. 2018 comes around and it's okay. Here, here we go. Let's try to do this a little better. Get a permit. Try to have some music, et cetera, et cetera. Try to get some guys to come. That had 84 people. Last year, Van Cortland Park, same deal, but I'm a little more popular now. The business is a lot more known now. We end up having 154 people, and this year, 211. So obviously, the growth is definitely trending upward. But no matter if it's one person or a thousand people, it's a day to celebrate women. It's a day to celebrate the greatness of women. We as people do not do enough for our women. So this is my way of trying to honor, bring awareness to the things that women go through every day in life to let everyone know they are not weak. They are not just objects. They're not objects at all. They are not here for solely for pleasure or anything like that. They are human beings. They are strong. They are amazing. You know, it's not just moms. It's all women. You know, we all know a woman in our life who we look up to or we care for. If it's our mom, a sister, an aunt, daughter, whoever, you know, there, there's always, there's an important woman, a woman, but there are important women in every person's life. And I want to bring awareness to how special women are in our lives. That's dope. That's dope. I, I remember, I didn't know it was that in depth. I remember before we got cool, uh, I remember seeing videos and pictures of the of your previous events. And uh, we ended up seeing, we, we, I ended up saying like, damn, you know, I've seen you do like these different competitions with the, uh, with like the, the tug of war battles and all that, and I said, and I, I just said jokingly, I just said, "Yo, man, if, if I go to that shit, I'm beating everybody one by one." <laughs> I was like, "I'm kind of upset that I, I really had. I, I'm upset that I missed that one. I have to go to work, but uh, I'll definitely be at the next one, man. Try to do bed crawls and all that." For sure, man. For sure. It's, so the workout is basically a peek into my football background. Um, I know you've played ball before, so yeah, we definitely talking about that. If you, if you remember the first day of football camp, that is Women's Day with the twists. I was about to ask you. So when you do your when you do your workouts with with your clients and all that, like what kind of like workouts do you do? I, I know you said you do football things. Do you do like is it like with weights? Is it not with weights? It's like uh, is it more calisthenics? Well, it depends on what we're doing and where we're at. So obviously, again, with COVID, I'm limited with what I can do. But when we were in the studio, I would try to mix it up as much as I can. Just so, one, I I, I believe that you can get the best workout possible, as well as just keep it so you, no one gets bored. Um, if I tell you just go running, you'll lose weight but you might get bored. That's yeah. how you do a thousand burpees. You might get in shape. You also might really hurt yourself. So I try to diversify all the workouts between lifting weights and calisthenics and, you know, all that all cardio, endurance training, everything you can think of. I try to mix it all together. This is me. I wouldn't say the perfect boot camp, but the most efficient boot camp. Um, but again, everything stems from my football and track workouts, as well as everything that I've learned since uh, becoming a trainer. So I try to combine them all. Hey, what's it like being a trainer? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a unique job, bro. Like, you know how some people 
let me know how they drop buses and trains. But you spend to personally say, yo, I'm a personal trainer and like to, to like to actually want to help someone and want people to do good and seeing the results in people. That's that's got to be like you know one of the top five feelings in the world. Absolutely. And I mean, I would actually compare it to just being a teacher. Uh, Trainers are not limited to fitness. We have guidance counselors, we have therapists, we have teachers, we have parents. You know, personal training is very broad when you really think about it. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I absolutely enjoy it. Um, I enjoy helping people. I love seeing people succeed. I love when my clients put a smile on their face because they did something they don't think that they can do. It's, It's very fulfilling for me. I get to teach people what I know and see what they can do with that knowledge. And with everything that I've been able to create with help, it's just very, it's a very satisfying feeling to be this personal trainer for me. You know, there, there are thousands, millions of trainers, personal trainers in fitness throughout the world, but I, I don't claim to be worse or better than any of them, but I, I know that what I bring to the table as a trainer is unique, and I think my resume can now speak for that. Nah, it, it definitely can. It definitely can. Um, I saw something on Twitter a while ago, and uh, you were actually had a cameo. You were featured on Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> so that that was actually uh, very random, to say the least. So I got a call from an old friend in high school, and she just asked me if they could record something in my studio. Okay, no, I don't have anything to do that day. And if I did, whatever, I'll cancel it. So I I wasn't really thinking too much about it because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what they were trying to do. And I never really watched Love and Hip Hop like that. I would see the highlights and stuff from social media, but I don't really watch TV. So, you know, not a knock on them. I just don't watch TV. Yes. When they show up, uh, Sydney stars the you know main attraction. So it's about her being a trans woman and just basically the daily things of her life. And I was uh, the fitness part of it. So when they started recording, I made it very clear that I wouldn't want her looking bad, especially in here. So if she was going to record in here, then she has to do everything right. In which that's where I come in as a trainer to make sure she's doing it right. And as we're going over, they actually had to stop filming. They let me uh, explain certain things to her. They started asking me for ideas of what they should do, you know, little quick things that aren't going to make her too uh, stressed or anything like that. So once uh, that happened, we started filming again. But they wanted me to actually speak on it because of how in-depth I explained certain things to them. I was not originally supposed to be in that cameo or in that feature. I was not supposed to be in it. But once I started explaining uh, this particular how to do a squat, they mic'd me up, said, all right, here you go. You you can do this. And it was very natural for me um, because I was just doing my job. So that's how that happened. And that's fine. Uh, thank you. Uh, a friend had saw it and sent it to me and then sent it. Everybody started hitting me up. Oh, my God, I see you on Love and Hip Hop. Um, that must and, be good for business. Yeah. Um, it was good for business in a sense that it got me some promo and a little, I guess you could say some popularity with the different crowd. Um, it led, it actually led me to just, just again, meeting more people, meeting more people, meeting more trans people who were thanking me. It's like, Hey, you know, you are respectable because you would train a trans person 
And they started to educate me about the things that they go through on a daily basis. And that sucks too. Oh yeah, I, I could imagine, brother. That's it, just crazy. It is absolutely horrifying. So I it, it doesn't matter if you agree with what a trans person may do, doesn't do, or how they feel, or anyone, not just a trans person, a woman, a man, any religion, any creed, it doesn't matter. But that doesn't mean that you try to belittle them. That doesn't mean that you try to kill them. That doesn't mean that you try to erase them, you know, from their own life. Like, that. it's just stupid to me. Everyone should be able to live how they choose to live if they are not hurting anyone. If they are not being violent towards anyone, if they are not harming anyone or putting anyone in harm's way, everybody should be able to live how they want to live. Yeah, man, and I, I agree, man, because I, I see, uh, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends, uh, both male and female, and, you know, is your name, yeah, before I even got pulled to you, your name was, like, real respectable. Like, I, I did notice that, you know, like, listen, this guy's a trainer, but... And he's not like, you know, because I'm from my line of work, I'm a boss, I'm a boss in this, so I hear a lot of sleazeball trainer stories, you know what I'm saying? I, I I know I've heard a lot of shit, but never from you has always been positive, it's always been, listen, nah, this dude is legit, he's a personal trainer, like, we feel comfortable going to his boot camp, we feel comfortable working with him, like, he's not trying to fuck all of us, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's a good thing, man, you can't go around trying to fuck all your clients, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just... Because then you have no credibility. Second, well, first of all, that's disgusting. Second, second of all, you have no credibility, you know, as, as a man, as a person, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, let me say this. It's not about trying to hook up with anybody. It's, one, doing your job. And naturally, naturally, when you are around other people that you are attracted to, you might make a move. That's just how, that's just the nature of humans. But I don't care if I was attracted to every single woman in here. The number one thing to do is respect them. To do your job, they are paying me to provide a service. If I mess that up, let's just start with the very basic principle of you cannot pay your rent. You cannot pay your bills if you lose all of your customers for any reason. Now, do clients get comfortable with their trainers and sometimes hook up? Of course. I'm in a four year and a half year relationship with a client. So you never know when it's going to happen, but there's, it's, I'm not going to tell anyone how to, live their mating life or dating life like that. But if you are in this business, women especially are very skeptical of men because they're expecting one thing and the man purposely does something else. And that's not if there's just a natural attraction and hookup, you know, I'm not talking about anything specific. If two people like each other, they're going to do what they want to do. That's just the nature of the beast. But for a trainer, male or female, to use their business for this, they don't need to be in business. I see beautiful women every single day. And even if I was single, this would apply. Every single day I see ass, I see beautiful faces, I see beautiful bodies. That does not give me a right to do anything. That does not give me a right to make them uncomfortable or to try to get all of them, so to speak, right? Thank, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for that, I appreciate that. So, and that goes for any job. Just because you're the boss doesn't mean that you have a right to this person. And a lot of people need to realize that. And again, if two people just hook up, then whatever, you know, who cares? But don't use the business for that. This is not that business. If you want to do that, there are plenty of other businesses that you can hook up with whoever you want. But in this business, personal training, I and I know thousands of others, other trainers who actually care about what they do, 
we have perks, absolutely. But that's not why I'm in business. I can speak for myself and a few others that I know. I'm not in it. I'm not in this business for the perks. I'm not in this business for the women. I'm in this business because I love to make people or help people reach their goals. I'm in this business for the money. I'm in this business for genuine relationships and friendships that I've built with people, not just women. And I wish every person, but especially women, can find a trainer who thinks the same way. Yeah, man, that's good. That's fucking fine. And that's good because it's like not everybody has that kind of mentality. And that's kind of sad that, you know, I even got to bring it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, but it, it is what it is. Uh, you used to play football? Yeah, I used to play football. Um, <laughs> seems like forever ago since I put on a hat. Um, played Cardinal Spelman High School in the Bronx. It's a Catholic school? Yes, sir. Also, yeah, you used to go against Ames and uh, Mount St. Michael, though? Uh, well, my years didn't go against Mount St. Michael. Um, I played uh, Cardinal Hayes every year. Um, four and one against them, actually. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So if any Hayesmen from 04 to 08 are listening, There's a few of them listening. There's a few of them listening. That's, that's fine. If they listening, then they know who I am. So I played Cardinal Spawn four years, a college in Boston, Mount Ida College. I did three years there and then finished my last year of football in Buffalo State College. I eventually ended up doing some semi-pro things, which uh, almost got me into the NFL for a little bit. It was a very slim to none chance. But to even get that far was very um, satisfying for me, especially from where I started. I was a very slim kid playing linebacker and defensive end. You know, I put on a lot of weight to try to stick to that position and thus losing my speed. But it was okay. It was all good. So high school, you started, you started off at playing high school? You played yeah. like Pop Warner? Yeah. Okay, no, so. No Pop Warner, just high school. Started high, high school. school. Okay. Yeah. High school, you were a linebacker? Yep, I was a linebacker from my freshman to junior year. And then in the first game of my senior season, actually against Cardinal Hayes, I was switched to defensive end at halftime. And I had never really played it at all, but I was just smart enough to know what to do. And I ended up having, I think, three or four sacks in the half. So that was like, okay, maybe we should leave him there. And, you know, from there, I ended up getting recruited uh, D3 schools and a few D2s. Um, I think one Division One school tried to recruit me. It just didn't work out. But, yeah. <laughs> Good and, you time. D- and after that, you played DN for the rest of your career? Correct. Uh, yeah, defensive end, D-line overall. And still some outside linebacker, but I – I uh, I went to specialize in defensive uh, at defensive end. Uh, what was it like playing in Boston? Uh, it was cool. Again, you know, small D three school. It's actually closed down now, but uh, it was it was cool because. I wasn't the star anymore, so to speak. It was a team full of stars. You know, everyone in, everyone in college football is a good football player. I don't care what division you're in. Every single one of them is a good football player. And when you bring them together, that's when you start to see the discrepancy of who's better. So it was humbling when it was okay, you're not the man anymore. You're not the starter anymore as a freshman. You got to earn it. You probably will never start as a freshman. I had three seniors ahead of me. So it was one of those things where it was just accepted, play your role and try to do other things. Um, my coach was just like, listen, try to get on special teams, do what you got to do. And I ended up being on every single special team as a freshman. So it wasn't like I wasn't playing. So I still had fun with that. Started a few games my sophomore year. Junior year was kind of a rough year for me personally. So I didn't play as much football as I should. 
and ended up uh, transferring to Buff State for other reasons. But the, my football experience in uh, at Mount Ida was very good. Um, Coach Mike Landers was one of the people who taught us how to be men. I can definitely say that. Um, obviously, I didn't agree too much with football principle selfishly, you know, because we always think we're the best. We always think we should be starting, etc. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I had to take anything away from him and the other coaches is that they taught us how to be men. And that that will always resonate with me. All right. Um, when you went to Buffalo State, was it a big difference, Chance? Was it, or did you fit right in? Um, so the school, I just fit right in. Uh, football, I kind of – I didn't know if I wanted to play. Um, I just missed it. And I actually did not know when the initial meeting was for it. I was actually in class and a football player, he was already on the team, had said to the teacher that he had to leave because he has a football meeting. So I'm like, wait a minute, that's today. I didn't even know. So I said, yeah, I got to go too. And (laughs) yeah, I literally just, yeah, I got to go. And I like I acted like I knew what was going on, and even he asked me. He's like, "You're not on the team." I said, "Yeah, I'm trying to walk on." And then like, we got cool. You know, we're been still cool now back home in the city. But we, um, but I, I found out about it in class ten minutes before you know the meeting, and I just walk in. I don't know anyone. I don't know anybody. Go up to the coaches, shake their hand, and like, oh, you know, trying to walk on, blah blah blah. So go through spring ball, make the team, and uh, that school was actually higher ranked than uh, Mount Ida College. So the competition was way different. They were actually ranked in the top twenty-five for Division Three. Um, yeah, they actually ended. Um, I don't know if you remember. Uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, they had a 46 game winning streak in Division Three. It's actually one of the it's actually one of the longest college win streaks ever. Many people thought they could be a D2 team and even compete with some D1 teams. Uh, but yeah, uh, Buffalo State ended that my senior year. Hey, yep, seven to six. Oh, that was close as fuck. And the touch, the the six came with ten seconds left in the game. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so those are the games we love, right? Yeah, man, it was crazy. To the last second, it ain't over till it's over. Oh shit! <laughs> you said yeah. you played semi-pro football. Like that's like to me, that's like. Like semi pro, like everybody uses the word semi pro because I get because when I when I played football, I never I never played for I never played for high school. I always played for these outside leagues and or would be junior pro, uh, eighteen to twenty one. And then when you go semi pro, it's like uh, they have a New York team, they have all the teams, like you know the Brooklyn teams and all that. But you actually played semi pro where you made money and you played different states. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, it wasn't a lot of money. They just gave us, you know spending money and stuff, but um, and honestly, that might have just been because the coach liked me. I don't even know. But, it's legal here. Well, it's legal in semi-pro, not in college. Should be. So, um, yeah, my first semi-pro game was in uh, Minneapolis. And, what, the end of 2013, uh, one of my Buffalo coaches had put me on to this person who got me into a database, so to speak, and I got a call to come out and play. Ended up starting for that team. Um, Then got a call to Vegas with the same team. And then for a different team, got called to Dallas. That's where uh, the slim to none chance happened. And that story kind of just finished in Dallas. Um, I kind of kept going, but it costs money, you know, to get to these places and all, you know, still paying bills and all that type of stuff. So that was one of the main reasons why I retired out of football. But it was,
was definitely an experience. Gets got to meet a lot of different people from all over the world. You know, playing in NFL stadiums and other college stadiums will always be a good memory for me. Um, you know, I played at AT and T Stadium. I played at the old Metrodome uh, for the Vikings. It, it was a very, very fun experience. I pictured the crowd of, you know, 80,000 people or however many people fit in there. And, you know, it was basically empty. But the 300 people that were there in the stands made it. Hey, that's still something. I was just happy with, like, some people showed up to games. Absolutely. So, like, this was dope. Yeah, man. But those 300 people sounded like 100,000 people to us. So it, it was just, it was a fun time. I must say, it's definitely a fun time. Hey, would you ever suit up again and play for one of these semi-pro teams like the New York Bandits, the Harlem Gators, the maybe. Brooklyn Seminoles, something like that? If the check was big enough, maybe. Oh, so it's, it's only for the check? Yeah, I'm not playing football for I'm not playing contact football for fun anymore. Not happening. Okay. Small um, man, small man, small man. Not happening. <laughs> you got to be able to pay for the MRI at the very least. Yeah, so, not you know, it is what it is. We always have a macho as football players, especially defensive players, but it is what it is. We're older. You know, most of us are not in semi-pro football shape. Let's call it what it is. That's so, you know, you know, skill can only take you but so far when it comes to the pads. So I would have to have some type of insurance check <laughs> for me to play one more down with full pads on. You still have your equipment or no? Yeah, man. Those are things you never throw away. Um, they're under the bed. I I have, about uh, those are my closet. There you go. I have my shoulder pads. I have my high school bottoms, girdle. Um, I have my helmet. My helmet's actually the only thing that's not stored. Um, I treat it just like, you know, my, my Thanos gauntlet. Like it's there, you know, <laughs> what, it, what it can do, what it's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always just humbling whenever I just want to, you know, think back a little bit. I can look at it and see all the, the scratches. Like, I haven't cleaned it. You know, all the skid marks are still on the hat. Um, the decals from other schools are on there from when I was in my senior bowl. So, it's, uh, it's there. It's still there. Sometimes I, I always look at my shit. I'll be like, uh, one time. Maybe, maybe, but nah. <laughs> if I can't get no money, or if it's not like a charity game or something, I, I can't do it. I rather do flag and all that. Exactly. You said, um, you know, it's crazy. I was looking at your Instagram, your your personal one, and your name on Instagram is Flex Kavana. <laughs> and yeah. not a lot of people know what that means. And I, I, I heard it. I saw it. And I'm like. Oh, this motherfucker thinks he's the Rock. He's the Rock. That's, that's, that's the Rock's, like, UWA old wrestling. And then I found out you are a big wrestling fan, and your favorite wrestler is the Rock. Really? Yeah. The Rock? Yeah. Yeah, man. yeah, man. So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, so when I had to switch my IG name, um... I just, I didn't really know what to pick. So I was like, okay, well, let's see what something made. Some people may know, some people may not know. It's all good. Um, so when I picked that name, obviously I had The Rock in mind. Um, he's my favorite for two reasons. The obvious reasons of how he is on the mic, the obvious entertainment aspect of him, which you can obviously see today in his movies. But when I, the very first night that I remember watching wrestling, I was in South Carolina, and I was actually watching WCW. Oh. And if you remember at the time, the Monday Night Wars. I don't remember exactly what day. I'm sure if I really 
really look back at it, yeah. I can figure out what day it was, and I probably could know if I rewatched The Last Dance. So this should tell you something. Um, the very first episode, the very, very first picture of wrestling I have in my memory is Dennis Rodman coming out in WCW. Now, my older cousin came into the room and said, nah, turn this crap off. Switched it to Monday Night Raw. And the very first person I see is The Rock with a microphone in his hand, dissing someone. Don't remember who it was. It might have been Triple H. But he just had me crying laughing. I'm like, okay, like this is clearly the guy. And from that moment, I never really turned back to Nitro. And that's what hooked me into Monday Night Raw. And obviously, as, you know, time progresses, we know what happens with, you know, WCW and ECW and all that, you know, all the other promotions. So throughout my youth from, you know, 99 to 2004, basically eighth grade, it was the rock for me. And obviously you had his rivalry with Stone Cold and Triple H and Kurt Angle, you know, all the all of our now legends that he was just always the person I rooted for. Um, the very first pay-per-view that my mother ordered for me is what some people consider to be the greatest pay-per-view ever in WrestleMania 17. And we all know what happened to the Rockets at that event. Yeah. I was crying my little ass off at 10 years old. I'm not gonna lie. I was upset. I was real upset. Right. And as a kid, it's like, oh my God, like, why did that happen? And then, you know, as you get older, you realize wrestling is staged. Some people will say fake. I don't want to get into that right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a good mood. I don't need to do that. Um, and then it's, you know, okay, he was going to film The Mummy Returns. All right, cool. So, but you don't know that at 10 years old. Nah, I had no idea. Right. So, um, from that, you know, from those early years, he's just always been, you know, my guy as a wrestler, as an entertainer. Um, when I read, you know, biography, auto, you know, autobiographies and documentaries and all this stuff on him, it just, there was a lot of things that I won't say I could relate to, but I was just very cool. And, you know, I, it made me want to go to the U for college. It made me say, hey, maybe football might be something for me. Um, I always wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be him. You know, if you look at some of my younger pictures, I'm always doing the people's eyebrow. Um, it was it was good. And that's my guy. That's, What's your favorite uh, rock match? My favorite rock match. Yeah. I got, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you mine, but what are yours? I got a few, to be honest. Um, so the Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 19 okay. is my favorite match. So I guess that would be it. Um, the Rock versus Kurt Angle and The Undertaker at Vengeance 2002. Oh, I remember that match. That was a good match. And this is actually one that he lost that I really like. But The Rock versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2002. I don't like that match. My favorite was uh, The Rock versus Triple H Backlash 2000. I actually watched that maybe about two weeks ago. That was Um, a good match. That was a good one. Um, And definitely, again, now knowing... The, the backstage and all that stuff. They really did their thing. Those two really worked their asses off when Stone Cold was hurt. So, um, kudos to them for that, for sure. Hey, man, that shit was great, man. I got one more question for you. And I always ask the guest, every guest who comes on this podcast the question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but let's, let's ask anyway. Have you ever ha- had a top cheese before? What? Have you ever had a chopped cheese before? Of course I've had a chopped cheese. I'm from the Heights. Okay, perfect. Where is the best place you got your chopped cheese from, and where did you get on it? 
Um, the best place I've gotten a chopped cheese, I think that's pretty subjective because it depends. Like, are you drunk? Are you sober? Because if you're drunk, they're all going to taste good. If it tastes bad when you're drunk, then you should never go there again. Let's go sober. Oof, because it's been such a long time since I've had a chopped cheese. Oh, man, you actually got me thinking. Um... My block honestly has a really good chopped cheese. Um, so I'm going to rep for the home block. Okay. Uh, on, on by seven in Broadway. Um, and what did I get on it? So I would get a chopped cheese, and I usually added avocado and bacon. Okay, bacon, avocado. You can't go wrong. You, you cannot go wrong with that. Ever. In any event. That's fire. Yo, brother, please plug your website, plug your Instagram, plug your Twitter, plug the days that uh, you have this boot camp. Thank you, my brother. I, I really do appreciate you for coming on. Yo, thank you for having me. So if you're interested in boot camp, personal training, when everything goes back to normal, so to speak, his and hers, bcny.com is how you'll sign up for boot camp using Vagaro. Shout out to them. They've been really good during COVID. Um, my Instagram, his and hers, BCNY. My Twitter, HHBCNY. Anything for personal training, you must contact me directly. If you want to get on the Zoom room, you must contact me directly for the password. If you don't want to, it's okay. You can follow along in my Instagram story. Just know that I'm really not paying attention to you, but you can follow along. Uh, Women's Day, I hope. We can have Women's Day 6 as scheduled in March. But that obviously depends on the world. And that's pretty much it about me, man. I will be there, and I promise you, I'll be in everybody in that tug of war, man. <laughs> man, listen, I had a lot of people talk. I've seen a lot of people lose. All right? Shout out to the kid, Mero, who said it straight up. We are not losing. He was on the anchor, and he said, we are not losing. Looked at me dead in my eye. We are not losing. And that was actually the best tug-of-war battle of the day, and they did not lose. So shout out to Wow, damn, Mero, what happened? No, he won. He won. Oh, he won? Yeah, they won. They won. Good, good, good. I'm going to have to tell this Mero then. Hey, there you go. IWD6, there you go. Bring there the we team. go. Metal versus Fridge. <laughs> podcast for podcast. Yeah, I, I love them, man. They'll disagree, man. Yo, yeah. one time for the one time. Can, can, can we get a year real quick? Yeah. Get a year. You're ready. <laughs>